plenty of good stuff coming your way on the Wednesday version of the show. Thanks for giving us a day off on Tuesday. Allow me to fully prepare for the Canisius game and bring you some history. We also have some, you know, behind the scenes auxiliary stuff to get done that I just haven't had time to do with all these games that we've been giving you. And of course, that's the great stuff about Bulls Unlimited. We are able to bring you all these games, including such as the one that we had on Tuesday afternoon where Georgina Korik was able to record the 1,004th strikeout of her career. That's the one that got her the all-time program mark. Of course, you're going to hear that highlight. You'll also hear from Georgina Korik herself and some key offensive highlights. It wasn't just about setting the record. That was going to happen. Could they beat Canisius, which had its ace pitcher going, and not go into conference play on a two-game losing streak? The answer was the Bulls did get their offense going, even though it took until the latter innings to get there. But more home runs to bring you that you'll enjoy. Plenty of home runs and extra base hits for the baseball team. We won't have highlights. We'll tell you what happened as the Bulls won at FGCU, and we'll tell you kind of why that's a big deal. Enjoyed listening to three playmakers on the Bulls football team's offense, Jimmy Horn, Kelly Joyner, and Brian Batty. You'll get a little bit of a taste of all three of what they had to say. We'll tell you also how golf did, and they wound up in the middle of the field, another talented field that the men's golf team is playing in or did play in in Georgia. George uh, Corrick, Georgina Corrick, of course, knew that we had a chance to bring you history. In fact, we're pretty well guaranteed of that because she came into Tuesday with 1,099 career strikeouts. Sarah Nevins, the all-time leader, at 1,103. So the fifth strikeout was going to be the one that got it done. The process kind of sped along because she struck out the side in the first inning. But actually, again, we'll, of course, cover the history part of it, but this game was not going to be easy. The Sunday win against Canisius was. It was 8 nothing. They did not throw their best pitcher, but Megan Geis was a different story. And before we could give you strikeout number five, it almost turned into run number one for the other team. No one's fouled back. So the count is 0-2. And Georgina Corrick can get Sofia Lacrosio swinging here or looking. We'll have made the mark. See if she's careful here on 0-2. And it's smacked. That will not be a strikeout. And let's see if the catch is made. Wow! Just make the catch there, Megan Sheehan, and she does. That could have been, forget history, 1-0. Canisius really easily. But at the last second, that win tricked Sheehan. She was able to make the catch. Yeah, they had a runner on first base, so she would have come around on that two-out what looked like it was going to be a hit. And fortunately, it was not. So we had to wait for the history, and that was no problem. Actually, in the bottom of the second inning, the Bulls, again, this wind was blowing in. It was a little bit moving to right field, so if you could get it the opposite way as a righty, you had a chance to knock it out of the yard. Madison Epperson almost did just that in the second, but it hit the top of the wall, and the Bulls, again, could not push it around against Megan Geis, who came in with an ERA just above two, and had really, in her career, this is her second year, only allowed more than four runs in a game once, and that was earlier in the week against Lehigh, where the Bulls would get there, but not through the first four innings. But there was other stuff going on in the first four innings. Here's the full call of the historic at-bat. And the batter on the other side is Destiny Falquez, who has struck out more than anybody in this Canisius lineup. That'll be 16 times. First pitch is a strike called high in the zone. Well, that'll be interesting if there's a borderline pitch. Does William Lopez 
make Corrick earn it or give her the benefit, which she is, you know, definitely earned at that. And another one on the outside corner called strike two. So Jordanian Corrick takes a little extra step back, perhaps ready to deliver the historic pitch, and we'll have it for you here on USF Bulls Unlimited. She winds and deals, and that's a fastball outside indeed. Not going to get the call there. Corrick doesn't look like she's undergoing anything different, just a normal afternoon tilt. With a little history as a side note, possibly the one and two pitch. And it's called strike three. And all hail Queen George indeed. And there's the announcement. And Josie Foreman, her catcher comes out to give her a hug. Georgina almost seems a little bit embarrassed by the attention, but completely understands it as the rest of the infield all gives her a hug. And the Canisius coaches as well applaud. And that is the mark for you. Congratulations, Georgina Cork actually does have to take a little bit of an extra step back and gather herself. I think that was perfectly done, and I know that it was something that Coach Erickson wanted to make sure was handled the right way. They didn't want to turn it into some sort of New Year's Eve party where you're showing up the opponent, and that definitely was not the case. And actually, talked about Cork gathering herself. I don't know if this is pre-planned. Their number nine batter is more of a slapper anyway. But the next batter put down a pretty good bunt, and Cork had to really make a nice play. So she wasn't in a cloud of her own accomplishments thinking about them because she went right back and made a key play on the other end. And then we stroll up until the bottom of the fifth inning. In fact, Cork struck out the side again in the top of the fifth before the Bulls finally got it going offensively. Madison Epperson, who had the only hit for the Bulls up to that point, infield single, it was deep in the hole and she beat it out. Georgina Cork initially tried to bunt her on, couldn't get it done, grounded out, and it turned into a fielder's choice to third base. So Cork is sitting on first. They pinch run for her, but the fastest or the slowest person in the world was going to score on the next swing of the bat. Yeah, if that ball is smoked to right field, that's got a chance! Gone! Josie Foreman, as I said, you knew a strike was coming, and she did what you're supposed to with the ball right across the heart of the plate. Forget the teeth of the wind. She destroys that pitch, and the Bulls have the lead. Josie Foreman, she likes her some Canisius pitching. That is her third home run against the Golden Griffins. Three of her five home runs on the season. Two homers against Canisius on Sunday, and that was a big one. And again, the other way was the way to go if you were a righty. Then Canisius picked up a two-out single in the top of the six, and Christy McGee-Ross, who is their top hitter, and before facing Cork on Sunday, had only struck out twice in a game once all year, did against Cork Sunday, did again. She really made her look ordinary with the strikeout to end the top of the six. Then the Bulls got it going. And you'll hear my comments. Yeah, this is a situation where the offense has been, and they've putting up a couple of big innings lately, but really they've won a lot of games, won nothing. They've also been shut out several times. So I thought it was important to tack on, even though with two runs for Georgina Cork, the game was won. And that's exactly what happened. I think a pretty important bottom of the sixth here. Now the Bulls. Top of the order. See how Alexis Johnson gets on. Chops one to second, and yeah, that's her speed. Get her on base because the second baseman, Alfaro, knew 
who she was dealing with and was thinking throw before she fielded the ball. Now this is when they got to score. Listen, in the game, in the course of this game, I don't think Kanisha is going to get to two runs. But when you get a leadoff batter, you need to be in the mode as we get into conference play of getting them around, especially with your speed there. Off with the pitch, and Johns is going to get in. And man, I don't know if that was supposed to be a bunt. But as she was running, she looked back and still manages to get the stolen base, number 31 on the year and 32 tries. She's just that fast. She can look and run at the same time. It would be nice to see her get a little bit of uh, added confidence with a productive at bat here and a chance to add to a 2-0 lead. One out, bottom of the sixth inning. John's at third base. Sheehan, the lefty, the infield up against her, hoping to slap it through them. And rips it through them instead. That's a good confidence boost right there. And it's a third run in the game. An RBI single for Shishi. And it is 3-0. Bailey Lystool out of Newsom High School. Has not attempted a stolen base, even though she's been out there on the base pass plenty this year. Pinch runner. Oh, Pond destroys that one to left field. Can it beat the wind? Oh, my goodness, does it ever. That one landed even with the... Lawler family batting facility, which is about 10 feet beyond the fence. And Vivian Pond continues her incredible tear. It's 5-0. A lot of good stuff there, especially from their designated player, Vivian Pond, who, as we talked about on the broadcast, you can do the whole game, get replayed. Actually, we trim it down somewhat to about 70 minutes. But she was somebody that didn't have a hit her first year, was mostly a pitcher. Again, mostly a pitcher last year, and only had two hits, none for extra bases. And three weeks ago at this time, she had no career extra base hits. Now she has nine of them with six doubles, two homers now, and a triple. Just an amazing tear that she is on. She was not on the weekly honors for the American Conference, which is why there needs to be more members on the weekly honor list. We did not do a show on Monday. If you want to go to Unlimited Unloaded, I did a 20-minute show on Tuesday with all of the basketball from the conference, all of the baseball from the weekend, and the softball, including the weekly honors. Finished up the scoring, and Corrick finished up the day and was gracious to speak to a larger-than-normal assembled media contingent after a USF softball game. It was definitely a little weird because it was still like mid-game, so it kind of felt like a like a job half done kind of deal. Um, I wish they'd waited maybe till after the game, just because it's it's one thing to, to break a record, but at the end of the day, we came out here to win. Um, kind of a Tuesday, middle of middle of the week, um, and all we want to do is come out here and, and play softball and win, especially having a really busy weekend this last weekend. Um, but I think now it's kind of settling in as a lot of the girls are coming up and saying things to me and my coaches. Um, obviously, my parents were in the stands, and um, we're going crazy because that's what parents are for. Um, but it was—it's starting to settle in now that it's an absolutely incredible record. Um, obviously, I admired Sarah Nevins a lot when I was recruited here and was and was coming to to be a student athlete here. And that number that she put up just seemed absolutely impossible. You know, it never seemed like anything that could be touched. And she was she was a different breed of, of athlete. Um, and knowing that I've been able to come in here and in looking up to her, I've been able to to acknowledge her record and set my own um, is really cool and it's, it's a nice way to, to have a little bit of history with a school that you maybe only get to go to for four or five years but that probably changed the course of my entire life. And what are your coaches, as you approach the record, as you, you know, you check off milestones, you know, last year, this year, Coach Erickson, your other coaches, I mean, do they address it at all or how do they, how, what's their approach to you been like? Coach is, um, he's a very humbling guy. Um, he 
doesn't like to, he has a saying, don't get happy when you're too full of crappy, um, because it means you can't get too high and, and let your lows get too low. We're very big about being very baseline. Um, so, you know, he'll like talk about the entire game and he'll be like, oh yeah, also by the way, court, good job. Um, and that's kind of his way of, of acknowledging that like, I went out there and I did what I'm supposed to do, which is, is be a good pitcher. Um, but that he obviously appreciates it, my teammates appreciate it, and it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, but I think the longer that I've been here, the more that I really just feel like I'm coming out and doing my job. Um, it's someone else's job, unfortunately, Dan's, um, to, to keep track of the stats and keep track of the numbers like that. Um, and they do an amazing job of keeping me pretty humble about it. Nice shout out there to Dan Hamilton, the sports information director for softball. And he was the guy that in the middle of the Canisius game on one of those plays where Canisius batter with two strikes stepped out of the box a little too early, uh, went down to the home plate umpire just to confirm that it was a strikeout because, yeah, he is in charge of keeping track of stuff like that. And we kind of knew where the countdown was. And again, she is ahead now of all the pitchers in USF history and pretty much all the key pitching categories and still so humble about it. In fact, she also spoke about how important it is to get in line for their next game, which is, wow, we'll talk about it later in the week, the Warren I-4 starting on Friday afternoon. And of course, we'll have all those games for you live on USF Bulls Unlimited. In fact, yours truly will be calling a doubleheader with softball at 4 and then baseball at 6.30 on Friday. And then Jay Retcher and I will share the duties on Saturday and Sunday, essentially. I've got baseball, he's got softball Saturday, and vice versa on Sunday.